Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Earrings Off. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Earrings Off Podcast and on Instagram at The Earrings Off Podcast. Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou. And I'm Teresa. Let's get started. Good morning. We have with us today Mr. Bruce Robinson, who served 37 years in the Army. He retired as a Major General. Um, he's also been, um, he's worked in the fields of bankruptcy and criminal law. He's a prior, prior assistant Commonwealth attorney for Mecklenburg County. And now Mr. Robinson serves as a substitute judge and Chapter 7 Bankruptcy Trustee for Virginia's Eastern District. So again, we welcome Mr. Bruce Robinson, who is our guest today on Earrings Off. Thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. So um, I told you a little bit of your background. Is there anything else you want to share with Earrings Off listeners today before we get started, Mr. Robinson? No, I think you've covered I just have never had a full-time job recently. Everything I've done is part-time, part-time judge, part-time lawyer, part-time soldier, all that good stuff. So maybe one day I can be fully employed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, don't, I don't know. When you add all those up, they actually add up to more than just one. Hey. Well, <laughs> every little bit counts. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so um, tell us about the specifics of a financial disaster plan? Because I know when we initially talked about doing this uh, interview, I was focused on bankruptcy and you said, no, 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 let's talk about a financial disaster plan. And I was intrigued by that. So talk a little bit, help educate us and our listeners about a financial disaster plan. All right, let's talk about disaster plans in general. Okay. Let me start off with the story. Okay. These four individuals on an airplane at flying out of Manchester Airport, which is New Hampshire. They're trying to get to DC. As you know, it's very difficult to get a flight because 90% of flights have been canceled. Mm-hmm. So there are four individuals. One was a neuroscientist specialized in biology and micro germs. The other was a jurist, very distinguished individual. Third was a chaplain and third was a Howard University student trying to get to DC. All that was left was a small commuter plane, so they took off. And as they were going south, there was this very turbulent wind which came and shook the the, the plane. Therefore, the pilot made a decision that he would have to land that plane. So he made all of his emergency landing procedures, but they didn't work. So finally, he announced on the loudspeaker, gentlemen, I'm afraid that we're going to have to ditch this plane. There are four parachutes. I'm going to ask you to jump out. First guy who was the microbiologist, he grabbed a a pack and he jumped out. There were only three parachutes in this plane. The next guy stood up and says, look, I'm a jurist. I'm very distinguished. I've been to all the great schools. I've argued for the Supreme Court and the World Court. He grabbed a pack and he jumped out. The chaplain, being an age, a senior person, he looked at the college student and said, young man, I've lived a long, productive life. You take the last parachute and therefore go save yourself. The college student said, chaplain, no problem. 
The last guy that jumped out grabbed my backpack. So here's your parachute and here's mine. <laughs> now, I was in Hawaii not too long ago, a couple years ago. And here's what happened. I heard this. It was a Tusami warning. Blue lights were all over the place. We were directed to immediately leave and follow Tusami route, which meant that you went to higher elevation. Anyway, no loss of life, no loss of property. 2005, let's go back Katrina. Katrina, there are disaster plans there are every jurisdiction in America and every state funds an emergency response team and so on. Well, it just so happens there's a tremendous loss of life to Katrina because of lack of following plans, such as moving the buses out to higher elevation to get the people corralled up, to make them leave their homes and then to have an orderly way that they could get out of that punch bowl called New Orleans. And we know what the results are. Mm -hmm. Well, I talk disaster plans only to say is that it is a culmination of the worst that could happen in life. We don't think about it, for example, we don't think about death. We don't think about the possibility that we could face a financial disaster because we're not required to do it. Yeah. Happy New Year, by the way. We're into year 2021, that is fiscal year 2021. And unfortunately, we as individuals, we follow our government's example of irresponsibility when it comes to finance. Only knowing that our tsunami, our financial tsunami will arrive one day and we have to face it. So the first thing that we want to talk about is the fact that we got to be smart and we have to start mitigating the possibility of financial disaster. In 2021 to 2023, we'll be facing a financial tsunami in the United States. There's an election, so I'm told. And as we get into the first half of the term of whoever is in the driver's seat, they'll have to pick up the pieces from stupidity which is taking place every day in the United States. Gotta realize the United States is a capitalistic country which thrives on people spending money. And let's think about it, A, B, C, D. A, accountability. Accountability means that we know where our funds are going. We have the ability to sit down and to know that this went to housing, utilities, food, insurance, and so on. Our parents did a great job. They had a little stubby pencil and they may have had a checkbook if they were really sophisticated. For the most part, they got that paycheck divided into four piles, housing, utilities, food, car insurance, and sometimes car payment. When the money ran out, the money ran out. We don't do that. I don't do that. I've got charge card. I go and I swipe that thing. I have no idea what my balances are. But then comes the day of reckoning. It's called that bill and I have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. The signs of financial disaster are simply this. When you run out of money before you run out of bills, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And if it's temporary because of a, of a temporary layoff or you're a college student who are trying to get a better opportunity in life by advancing yourself, it may be okay. But what happens from what my perspective is, is that we begin now to become irresponsible. We don't consider the cost of things. It's about the destination, not about transportation. For example, a young person's first dream is good, fancy, shiny car, which they don't need. Mm -hmm. First, they're not employed. Why do you need a car? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to need the car to go find a job. Not in 2021. You do all that stuff online. Not in 2020. You do that stuff online. So that then leads down this disaster of trying to get something that one does not need and the money cannot afford. I'm a bankruptcy trustee, so I see the stupidity every day. Mm. I'm gonna give you an example. It's a bad example, but it's an example. 
here recently, I held some cases, heard some cases. One young lady had four vehicles. Man, why you need four vehicles? Well, I bought a vehicle for somebody else, but I had to take it back. What that told me, her boyfriend or whomever her huggy was, she bought him a car, he couldn't afford it, so she took it back. So why you got two cars, then you can't, with four cars actually, and you're paying on two of them. So what that means is that Huggy, who could not afford that car, she wanted to bail him out, put him in the wheel, and whatever happened, it's a disaster. Mm -hmm. Another, why you have four cars? Well, one is my son's and one's my daddy's. I had a cosign. If they can't stand for their credit, don't support their inability to get credit, mm -hmm. unless you understand that you're gonna suffer loss. Mm -hmm. So now, accountability. Number two, budget. A budget is a, is a plan as to looking at your income and your outcome. The income should always exceed the outcome. If it doesn't, your budget is bad. It's mm -hmm. upside down. Now, here in the United States, we don't worry about budgets. For example, we just went through something which is called stimulus. Mm -hmm. That is simply paper. Remember, the Federal Reserve has the ability to put paper, which is not backed by anything real. All that means at some point in time, that bill has to, got, has, has to be paid. So that's why I talk about 2021 to 2023 and so on. Next is credit slash control. If you have credit, control it. Credit is only necessary if you need to borrow money or if you need to show fiscal responsibility. That is, you're looking for a job or you're trying to go into the military or trying to get a security clearance, mm -hmm. which means that credit is a controlled commodity which will run away wild if we don't control it. Let me give an example. Okay. It wasn't long ago that as soon as a kid got accepted to college, they automatically got an unsolicited credit card. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Maximum yeah. 500 bucks. Yeah. Then yeah. that kid would take that credit card, use it three times, pay the minimum payment, it went up to 750. By the time the kid graduated from college, if they did graduate, that is all the way up to $1,000, $1,500, and so on and so on. Because that child has no discipline in being able to, A, account for their money, B, have a budget, C, at least uncontrolled credit. So therefore, that is one of the downside of this unsolicited credit. Now, then we get to D, debt. Debt may be necessary, but the quantum of the debt, that's something that we can control. Mm -hmm. For example, I use the examples about the destination of the transportation. Mm -hmm. We have natural transportation called feet, mm -hmm. mechanical transportation called bicycles, motorcycles, automobiles, trucks, RVs, and so on. We need to temper our destination first. How we get there is immaterial. For example, we got Uber, we got Lyft. That's why kids, for the most part, don't buy cars. Very smart. All they got is that feature on their phone. They can lift up, they can Uber up, and go about their business. Very smart. However, for those young men in particular who have to have that pickup truck, have to shine it up to impress the young ladies, don't have any credit, but the moms and the grandmamas of America wants to co-sign, Actually, they're buying a car. They're called a co-owner, not a co-signer. And then when that young buck fails to make those payments, guess what? You got something that you don't need. Now, using that example only, grandma or mama would be best to let that vehicle default, let it go into repossession, 
and wind up paying the unpaid portion of that debt. It's called deficiency because that's better than holding on to a vehicle that the operating costs, such as insurance, mechanical stuff, fuel costs, really become unmanageable in many cases. So A, B, C, D. How do we mitigate and kick, kick, stay out of, out of this disaster? Now, we know about disasters because we get, the only one we don't predict are cyclones or tornadoes. We know about hurricanes. You get seven days to seven hours worth of notice. We know about earthquakes, pretty much. If you're on a fault line, you might get an earthquake. Then again, there was Louisa County four years ago. We don't know about that. All right, and then we know about fires. We know that the forest has to burn on, on a periodic basis and it's gonna happen. But do we build in the forest line? Do we prepare our homes for the, for, for the tornadoes? not for the tornadoes, for the hurricanes. It's hurricane season now. Mm -hmm. How many folks have stored up their canned goods and their, their water, got a, fuel a tank full of fuel and things like that? So therefore, the warnings are there. Question to the audience is, what are you doing to prevent your financial tsunami? What are your questions? Okay, Bruce, let me ask you this. When you talked about if, the, if somebody co-signs and the person can't afford the vehicle and so you put your name on it, it's better to let it go in default. But that, does that then go on to the co-signer's credit if that happens? Absolutely. Okay. If so the co-signer was dumb enough to co-sign, they got to they gotta feel the brunt of their bad decision. But here's what I'm suggesting. You get to explain bad marks in your credit. You can overcome bad marks in your credit. Okay. The credit report, three primary providers of, 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 of credit reports. That is TransUnion, Equifax, and Exper Experian. Mm -hmm. We have a right to get a credit report every year if we want to ask for it. Mm -hmm. And if the credit report means something to you, you need to periodically inspect it. For example, there's a couple of Bruce Robinson is in Richmond, Virginia, and I wound up reviewing a credit, my credit report, and Bruce Robinson had a judgment against him for an unpaid something or another, I don't know. But it's Bruce Robinson insurance guy, not Bruce Robinson lawyer. So I wrote a letter, sent it to that creditor, got it cleared up, and then they attach my letter to all future inquiries for credit. Okay. So that credit report is only an indicator of the one's worthiness to borrow money. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that mm -hmm. that money's going to come to you. It just means we look at that. But more important than that is, can you pay your debt? Do you have a job? Okay. What does your assets look like? like versus your debts and things like that. Okay. So okay. That history is going to be on us for at least 10 years. Okay. That's helpful. But we can repair it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. So, um, Bruce, you mentioned um, those disasters like hurricanes, earthquakes, and, and, and fires. But, you know, right now there's a, there's a, a disaster that's facing us, COVID. So are there specific people who are more vulnerable to financial disasters, particularly with COVID, um, with the COVID implications this year? So how, how, how about that type of a disaster, one that we truly didn't see coming? Like, you know, we have a hurricane season and, you know, if you, like you said, if you live on a fault line, there's, a, there's the implication of there might be an earthquake. Um, and with the forest, with the fires, you know, we have to, you, you know, at some point you're going to, like you said, you have to burn off. But COVID, we, we didn't see that coming. How do you prepare for something like that? 
we prepare for it by using what we're supposed to do, but we don't do. That is to have a mm. six month reserve stored up. In other words, we're at the ninth month of COVID mm-hmm. and the average person had nothing stored up. So those stimulus checks became a lifeline for them to be able to live. So conventional financial wisdom says you're supposed to have six months of goodies stored up so that if you have the COVID tsunami, you can survive it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't do that necessarily, but let's talk about that in particular. The less we invest in preparation for financial future, the more vulnerable we are to financial downturns. So those persons who elect to have entry-level jobs, working for minimum wage, Mm -hmm. they're asking to become victims. Who are the biggest victims? Those persons working in the food industry, transportation service industry. They've elected for whatever reason to be at that level of employment. So therefore they're gonna be the first victims of this particular downturn. Mr. Government steps in and says, we're gonna print more money because we wanna keep retail businesses going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, here's what happened. I've never seen so many big TVs leave Walmart than I did with the stimulus check time. Oh, wow. I talked to a furniture guy who owns a furniture store. He said, business has never been better because Mm -hmm. of this situation. Everybody's at home. They got nowhere to go, but everybody's got money. So they shop and they shop. And and do you really need new furniture? We don't know if you're going to have a job tomorrow. And oh, by the way, that stimulus money, the math was to give people enough to live on unemployment plus the kicker, 500 bucks, to store up for the future. So arguably, when the stimulus money ended, that kicker was there to have been saved for this Mm -hmm. uncertain future. Mm -hmm. So now, let's talk the specifics about the future of economics in America. Leisure is dead. Recreation is defunct. Airline travel out of out of other than business is a luxury that we're not going to be able to afford and it's, and it's unnecessary because it's too risky all of our boutique businesses particularly black businesses restaurants beauty parlors barbershops were vulnerable mm-hmm. you don't need to get your due done and your nails done when you can't pay your rent you don't need to trim your fro when it really ain't nothing that you need to live on, but you better go find some grocery and medicine. Mm -hmm. So now it's unlikely that many of our small businesses, which were struggling before March of 2021, March of 2020, will survive come March of 2021. That's just a reality check. I was listening to a something back in September and had to do with the airline industry. They were interviewing some of the airline attendants We just hope that Uncle Sam will extend the stimulus money because come one October, we will not have any jobs. I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to stick with the airline or to find new employment. Huh? When you see the tsunami (laughs) coming, do you wait on it? Or do you prepare to avoid it? So I just use those examples that we're going down this road. Now, how can we prepare ourselves 
in order to afford to avoid the tsunami, we need to assess where we are in life and what we cherish. In America, we cherish stuff. From the time that we're in the cradle, we identify with some item. It might be a pacifier, it may be a blanket, it may be a teddy bear, but that security thing we began to hold on to because it makes us feel good or right. something. And then as we right. advance in age, we got things to hold on to, it makes us feel good, and we invest in those things. I use these examples only to say is that in America, we got to understand that we're conditioned to be hogs of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we become addicts as hogs of stuff. If you ever look in a pig bin, a hog doesn't care what you throw over in there. It's going to consume it. And I would suggest that our advertisement in America is designed to make people over consume things that they really don't need. Let's face it. Most of us can afford to live, but we cannot afford that vacation home during a downturn. We cannot afford that luxury car during a downturn. We cannot afford those timeshares and the, that, that extension of, of, of leisure. America, we invest right. in leisure. It takes about 20% of our income to live, 80% to use for something else. We have to look at our stuff and begin to cash in on necessities. That is houses, let it be. If they have to go to foreclosure, they have to go to foreclosure. And oh, by the way, financial distress is a female health issue. It drives women crazy to not be able to pay their bills. They get stressed out. Men kick back and say, oh, we didn't pay that bill? Oh, well, I'll deal with them when they come and take the car. Women are planners. They're nurturers. They are trying to hold on, in many cases, for things which are not necessary. Houses being one of them where they're trying to hold on to that house, which they could afford with two incomes, now divorced or widowed, they got one income, first thing, you let that go. All you need is 700 square feet per individual to live very comfortably. Using that example. Motor vehicles. We have been conditioned to have a status symbol attached to it. Let them go. Let those expensive cars go, pay the deficiency, buy something you can afford, without having to have a a car payment and move on down the lane. Deal with credit straight up. That is get rid of charge cards and then consider things such as debt consolidation if you have the ability to do that. That's where you take small debts and you get a new larger debt to pay off all those small debts. For example, credit card companies play this game game all the time. Here it is, you can go up to your credit limit, 0% interest for 12 months. Then you get that $15,000 and you pay off $15,000 worth of of small credit cards and you're done with it. Debt consolidation being one example. On your housing, housing refinances is pretty much a ripoff because many people are pulling out equity in the house instead of trying to pay for it. We should establish very early in life that we should have a home paid for before we get to retirement age. Mm-hmm. Retirement age should be between age 50 and 75 years old. Home should be paid for. However, soon as we get that good income, we peak out at age 45 to 60, and we are constantly invested in a bigger home mm-hmm. and more fancy things. Mm-hmm. We have to realize that in order to survive this tsunami, which is going to come, whether we are victims or not, it's still going to come. We have to do some hard things right now. 
we need to also begin to clean out our closets because that will go to number A, accountability. Unfortunately, I've had to help a couple senior citizens to downsize. Mm-hmm. And these happen to be a couple aunts. These happen to be a couple successful aunts. Mm-hmm. These happen to be a couple diva aunts mm-hmm. whose closet space is filled. And we're talking about thousands of square feet in their home filled with dresses and hats and shoes of stone. What they tell me, Bruce, <coughs> I need that. Now here I am sitting on the couch 20 hours a day, sleeping for seven. What the heck do you need that stuff for? They're re- I'm just retracing to say how much we can invest in things which will turn to rags at some point in our lives. Yeah. So now we're trying to avoid the tsunami. Let's take an inventory of our closets. That tells us the A. How do we spend our money? That's what A is about. Accounting for that money. How am I spending my money? And is for the right thing. Then B, which has to do with the budget and balance in life. As we age, and your audience, I'm assuming, are going to be rather successful individuals mm-hmm. who've yeah. made it very well in life, mm-hmm. for whom this discussion has no relevance. However, they need to hear it only to be able to give this advice to folks whom they're going to be counseling for whatever reason or another. Mm-hmm. So therefore, that balance, when we get to age, whatever it is, you name it, we know that the day is coming. Our world would be three by six. That's the size of a cough, average coffin. Mm-hmm. You can't put much in it. So therefore, as we transgress, as we as we make a transformation from our seven thousand five hundred dollar, seven thousand five hundred square foot home to our eighteen square foot box, how do we want to do this thing? We have to balance what we're trying to do for our children. We cherish them. We should not be educating our children beyond a undergraduate degree because they know nothing about money. They haven't been out in life to make money and they have no clue as to how to use what it is that you've already invested four years worth of finance into. The ability to improve oneself has to do with a balance, which means that they have the knowledge. Now show that you have the experience, that you have the discipline for further investment in your future. There's so much opportunity out here for postgraduate stuff, law, medicine, mm-hmm. IT, you name it. Let that kid figure it out and let them decide whether it's worth $250,000 to get a law degree and the average lawyer coming out is making $40,000. Mm-hmm. Let them decide is it worth $17,000 to get that master of arts and master of arts in, 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 in fashion when people ain't buying clothes. So the idea here is that we have to review how we are doing this thing. All I'm talking about folks, avoiding the financial to summit. Now, because there's a disaster, don't mean we have to be victims of it. Because it's gonna be a Tusami, which is called the United States recession 2021 to 23, it don't mean that we gotta be a victim of it. Because we're gonna store up, like the squirrels do, our goods for the future. We're going to manage them and we're going to begin to unload stuff, which is a burden. Mm-hmm. For example, I'll use myself. I've got some stuff which is burdensome because over success in life, I've acquired too much stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a burdensome, I'm told. Mm-hmm. Bruce, get rid of it. Bruce is starting on that, on that process. So we have to really be realistic to understand that America is the leader of the world. 
when America is sick, the world is sick. Mm-hmm. And right now, America is sick, very sick. The world is very sick. Just look at all the indicators. If you turn on any news, especially some of the financial networks, the indicators are there. Question is, how are we going to avoid our a financial to summit? Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. Okay. Okay. Bruce, that is uh, Good stuff. Robinson, that is excellent information. Now, let's talk about the ultimate, what we call debt relief, a fresh start. That's called bankruptcy. Yeah, okay. Let's start bankruptcy okay. is designed to give individuals a fresh start. A fresh start simply means is to be able to clear yourself of debt. Biblically, you go to Deuteronomy, it talks about forgiveness every seven years of debt. You can't collect on debt. Mm-hmm. Our bankruptcy code began with that. Now it's eight years between bankruptcies, what we call liquidation of chapter seven. Two flavors of bankruptcy for the individual. One is chapter seven liquidation. That is you hold on to what you can, you get rid of the rest of it, you get rid of your debt for the most part, you have a new life. The other one is called chapter 13 wage or rate wage earners plan, which simply means that you can pay part of your debt, but not all of it. So you're going to strike a deal whereby you're going to pay those creditors X number percent of what you owe them. 30 cents on a dollar, 100 cents on a dollar, seven cents on a dollar, whatever the math comes out. Mm-hmm. Bankruptcy is called a fresh start. That is, it's called debt relief, which is designed to give individuals a fresh start. Mm-hmm. Now, bankruptcy chapter seven, that's 97% of the cases. Mm-hmm. It means that I'm willing to hold on to what I'm allowed to hold on to, let the rest go. But it ain't so bad. First of all, it's income specific. If you make under a certain amount of money based upon your household size and the state that you live in, then that means that you are eligible to file a, file a chapter seven bankruptcy. For example, I'm going to just going to pick this. Let's say Virginia says you can have a medium income of a family of four of mm-hmm. $87,000 and file a chapter seven bankruptcy. Okay. That means that if you make less than $87,000, $87,000 or less, mm-hmm. you can file for chapter seven bankruptcy you want to. Mm-hmm. whereby you are allowed to hold on to necessities. It's called poor debtors exemption. They can't take your bed, your stove, your washing machine, your dryer. They can't take your motor vehicle worth $6,000 or less. They can't take your burial plot. All this stuff is exempt to show you hold on to it. Oh, by the way, they cannot take your life insurance, nor can they mess with your retirement plans. Okay, okay. So you can walk in, you work for Philip Mars, you got a retirement plan on the face worth $890,000. You file for bankruptcy, get rid of this stuff, you still got your retirement plans. So when you retire, it's, that's been protected. Use that only as an example. Mm-hmm. In yeah. chapter seven, the, the starting point is a person must first do financial counseling. Okay. They have to go in and they have to go through a course and get a certificate, which means that, okay, we have been educated in what it means and the consequence of chapter seven. Then they get a certificate. Then they'll get a lawyer and the lawyer will then file their pleadings. At the end of the day, I'm a chapter seven bankruptcy. I just had 52 cases on Tuesday. Of those 52 cases, I see nothing that's available to the creditors, which means that I waive them off and file a report, which means no distribution report. For the most part, those people are keeping their mobile homes, their homes, their cars, they're keeping their insurance, they're keeping their retirements. They're keeping other kind of stuff. If they're over 65, then they get some other protections as well. What I do as a, as a bankruptcy trustee, if you have something that I must take, such as your house, okay, you got a house worth $100,000. You owe $10,000 on it. 
and I got to take that house because the law doesn't allow you to keep with that amount of equity. On the other hand, if you owe, have a $100,000 house and you owe $80,000 on it and you can afford those payments, I'm not going to mess with it. Why? Because it is a necessity. It's called shelter. You can afford it and it's okay. So when I get real estate, for example, then I sell it and whatever is netted out of that, that money is divided amongst the unsecured creditors proportionally. I'll take a $10,000 distribution, distribute over $100,000 worth of debt. That means those creditors get 10 cents on a dollar. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. Wow. Yeah. Fast forward to chapter 13. In order to do a chapter 13, one takes a financial management course. They go to a lawyer. The lawyer sits down and say, let's see what we can do here. Your necessities, reasonable amount of housing, utilities, food, medicine, transportation, adds up to this. You make over that amount. So what you got to be willing to do is to leave the excess amount with the bankruptcy court and they will accumulate it over 36 months to 60 months to pay your creditors. So therefore, you make $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Necessities are $800 a month. You will have to give over that $200 a month for three to five years. That money will be accumulated to take care of your unsecured debt. So using my example, you're paying $200 a month. You're going to pay that $200 a month for 36 months. $7,200, you got $72,000 worth of debt. That means those creditors get 10 cents on a dollar over time. So that's how that works. But that is in the cases where individuals make enough money to pay a portion of their debt, but not all of their debt. Right. And there's qualifications on that in terms of how much debt they, a person can have and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So bankruptcy is not a bad word. Bankruptcy is simply the ability to look at a hurricane, financial hurricane, look at a financial windstorm, look at a financial flood, and to be able to tailor your situation to completely avoid them, unlike a Tassami. It's minor in impact, but it's coming. It's a disaster on your life. You get it done, you get a fresh start. The day that person's filed bankruptcy is the day that they start getting solicitations for new credit. They will get emails from every used car franchise, come to us, we can put you back in the driver's seat. Credit cards will come in, mm. but when they put them in a the driver's seat, 21.97% interest. I can get 2.9. Mm. These are just situations showing that the bankruptcy cleanses the past, but it doesn't prepare the individual for a future. Right. Unfortunately, mm. I'm seeing a lot of repeat bankruptcies where people have filed five mm. and six times in yeah, their lifetime. Wow. Wow. I am seeing an increase in the age gap, our young people age early 20s, now all the way up to near 100. I had a guy on the phone two, three days ago, 96 years old. So let me talk to that. You don't file bankruptcy when you're old and all you get is Social Security, veterans benefits. Those things a creditor cannot touch. Yeah, you get annoying phone calls. Yeah. We're going to take you to court. We're going to take your stuff. But they can't touch it. They can get all the judgments they want. But they, there are certain things which are untouchable, such as Social Security benefits, disability benefits, veterans benefits, except for things like maybe child support. But that's a different subject altogether. Yeah. But for your consumer credit, you pretty much protect. Now, 
remember that's a psychological game. And the internet is very dangerous, whereby the internet gives the whole world access to whom we are. Somebody's looking at this thing, who's that Bruce Robinson guy? And they'll probably Google that Bruce Robinson guy. And with a little bit of effort, they can figure out where he lives, what he does, and enough information to become him if they wanted to. Right. It's called yeah. fraud, identity mm -hmm. theft, and so mm -hmm. on and so on. Now, what happens is that seniors are primed for identity, and I'm talking to seniors now. We are primed for fraud because we got the money. Right. We own most of the wealth in America. Right. We are kind hearted, sensitive people. But we're also stupid mm. because we fall for those schemes. So as a result, what happens is that over time we become victims because they know that things trigger them, such as debt, police, foreclosure, repossession. So they'll call and say, This is the IRS. You owe us X number of dollars. We must have five, you must go get five gift cards and send them to this address. We will be able to arrest you. No such thing. Utility company. Oh, this Dominion Energy. Mm -hmm. We're going to cut off your utilities unless you go get five disc, five gift cards and get them to this address. Yeah. Because people are trusting and they don't understand. Yeah. So seniors, we are victims for that. So very, be very, very, very careful. Now, now, another thing which I must address is senior aging, which means that we have to trust people to take care of us. We give them power mm -hmm. of attorneys. We have them live in our homes because we're aged. We got to have that niece, that nephew, that grandson, that son, daughter, and we entrust them. They, they steal us blind. We don't have any control over that. However, that was our decision. So understand that when we execute a legal document, in this case, a power of attorney, all things authorizing someone to spend our money and things like that and to take care of us, hey, be very careful. And oh, by the way, A, make them account for every penny. Sit down once a month. Make them show you the receipts. Make them, if they're going to write checks, you sign every check. You don't let them write the checks and things like that. Right. So to seniors, my definition is 55 on up. Be very careful because part of our planning of life is to be able to have this plan, which we call senior assisted living, either in-house or someplace else, mm -hmm. which you mean to be cautious. Now, bankruptcy, mm -hmm. the B word, not a bad word. Mm -hmm. And remember that it's only there as a last resort. Okay. But it is a resort and you don't wait too late. When people are getting into financial difficulty, they always get notices from the creditors. Talk to your creditors. Do it yourself. Mm -hmm. We have eight, We have organizations out here which claim that they can help you with your debt consolidation, right. with mm -hmm. your debt adjustment, mm -hmm. that they can help you to get your tax taxes, relief, and stuff like that. Don't trust them. First of all, there's an upfront fee, whether they get you the relief or not. You're going to pay them. Then number two, if you talk to your creditors, you'll get the exact same thing. But here's what the creditors need to know. They need your A and B. They need for you to account for your money and show them your budget. They need for you to say that, look, here's what I got left over, $100 a month to pay all my bills. And I've got four bills. I can give you $25. Mm -hmm. I can give creditor number two $25, credit number three. Talk to them. Work with them directly because you're not, they're not charging you. 
you also tell them to discontinue my credit. It's okay to turn off the cable, discontinue my credit. It's okay to cancel that charge card, discontinue my credit. That locks the amount of the debt. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. Every institution knows what it costs to give people credit. Mm -hmm. They know that 12 to 15% is bad debt. Every charge card company knows that. That's why they charge 18 to 22% interest. So what if they lose five, six percent of bad debt? It don't mean anything. They already made it up in advance. Right. Every used car company, they stand behind that financing. So that if a person repossesses, if the dealer repossesses the car on behalf of the bank, the dealer's got to pay the bank unless it wants to go and to get that car and resell it. And that's what they do. Now, mm-hmm. the idea of this whole thing really has to do, this should not be titled financial disaster. Mm-hmm. But I use that dramatically to say that that's where we're headed and we have to be able to avoid it. When right. you go down the highway, when you're on 95, 85, 64, you see a wreck up ahead, you begin to slow down and pay attention. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we see a wreck mm-hmm. ahead, we need to slow down and pay attention. Mm-hmm. Right. That's very mm-hmm. good. And so the, the, the pieces to are the factors that we need to be considering as we try to avoid this disaster. Uh, Mr. Robinson, our course, like you referenced, the accountability, the budget, maintaining control um, as we try to plan for how to go forward. So... What else can you share with us about, um, are there any common myths that most people have about bankruptcy? There are common myths. First of all, they say, well, that's going to mess me up for future credit. Mm-hmm. It makes you a better credit risk because you don't have any debt. So if you walk into my bank and you're holding $100,000 in unsecured debt because you're over maxed, you're maxed on your charge cards, I'm not going to lend you a penny. If you walk in, my bank with a discharge in bankruptcy and you have no debt, I'll talk to you. Mm-hmm. See, bankruptcy is a fresh start. It wipes out your bad yeah. situation, regardless of the situation. It, you know, I, I, most people go bankrupt because of financial hardship and it could be medical related. It could be loss of jobs. It could be loss of income. It could be, you know, splitting up your marriage or loss of your business, things like that. The reason really doesn't matter. But it is going, stopping at the stop sign. You can turn left and continue to struggle, or you can turn right to a free open road. And that's what bankruptcy does. Now, mm-hmm. when you get that discharge, it tells the world that mm, you couldn't manage that situation. But more importantly, the world who is in the, uh, who, who has the ability to lend you money wants to know why. Mm. And what does your future look like? Okay, that's good. A lot of people within two years of bankruptcy are qualifying to buy homes. The day after bankruptcy, they qualify to get a car because every car dealer wants to sell them something. So that is the thing. The the popular myth was that it's going to ruin me for life. Mm -hmm. I won't be able to get it. Right. I I won't ever be able to buy a home or so on and so on. That's why that initial step towards bankruptcy is called financial counseling is so important because they give you an alert 
as to the possibility that could be something for you to consider. You must, well, anyway, you should get legal advice from a bankruptcy attorney concerning this whole thing. The people who do what we call pro se, they're representing themselves in bankruptcy, they normally get clobbered right at the starting shoot. And they don't get what they're looking for because they didn't want to pay that $1,000 to a lawyer, $1,200 to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. They get clobbered at the start because they don't know the law, they don't know the procedures, and they're losing stuff that otherwise could have held on to. But most of the time, they get kicked out of bankruptcy for failure to do everything that's required. So bankruptcy, again, is one of the last resorts, but let's be realistic. We can avoid bankruptcy. It takes at least seven to 50 years to get hopelessly lost in debt. So we need to backtrack some of that seven to 50 years worth of bad habits, so to speak. And there's nothing wrong with being retrained Mm. because we tend to acquire the habits that we've seen in our environment, our parents, our grandparents. And folks, they were pencil and paper people. Right. My folks didn't have no bank account until their latter years when Social Security said you have to have one. Right. They were pionced right. on paper and they figured it out. Okay. Can I, I, I want to ask a question and I don't know if this is a silly question, but it's a thought that I had as you were speaking. Um, I don't know much about bankruptcy. I've never filed, but it sounds like the, in the way that you describe it, that you have to have a job in order to file chapter seven or 13. So you have to have, you have, to have a job. True? You have to have a job for chapter 13. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or you have to have, you, let me put it, you must have to have verifiable income for chapter 13. People get very creative for chapter 13s, but you have to have an income. So, for example, a lot of retired people file chapter 13, and a lot of people who are, who've lost income because they've changed jobs, they went for a $100,000 job down to 30000 they will do that mm-hmm. because they're trying to, in, in chapter 13s, we're trying to hold on to something, let's face it, it's normally a house. Mm-hmm. Chapter seven, you have to have any income. Matter of fact, I've seen a rise in the number of no income chapter seven filings. This is in the last okay. seven months. And a lot of it has to do with COVID. But anyway, but a lot of that just have to do with people not having income and they're getting out of prison or they're they're they finished they're getting out of college. They don't have any any income, but they got a bunch of debt. It's people who have been out of the workforce for voluntary reasons. And so you don't have to have any income for chapter seven. And the only reason why those no income people, chapter seven file is because they want a brighter future. They want to be able to go into that job without the history of bad debt. And employers not going to hire if you got a lot of debt. You're too much at risk. That's right. Called pilferage. Mm -hmm. So they do that. And then the other thing is that for the elder people, many on social security or, or veterans benefit, they just get tired of the harassing phone calls. You don't have to file mm-hmm. bankruptcy because you're what we call judgment proof. If you were to get sued, someone get a judgment, you have absolutely nothing they can touch. You're living in an apartment or you're living with your daughter. You don't have no car. You don't have any need to have to file bankruptcy except to get rid of those harassing phone calls. Mm-hmm. Remember that's the creditor's world. The, Creditors are allowed to lie to you. They're allowed to intimidate you and they'll do it until they get caught. If they get caught, they'll pay the penalty and keep on doing the same old stuff. Right. Um, Mr. Robinson, that is all that that's excellent information you share with us today. Um, is there anything that you want to share before we end? What, what advice would you give people, I guess, to sum up 
to, especially maybe to the young people, what should they be looking at now so that years down the road, they don't find themselves in this position? Change the topic. And that is financial management. Mm -hmm. They have to simply just have to do A, B, and C. Actually, they have to have D. Because at some point, we're all going to have debt for whatever reason. But they got to start out. Right. And by the way, we are empowering... <laughs> We are empowering many young people to fail financially mm -hmm. because we don't make them learn finances. For example, let's say you give a kid an allowance. Let's make it 20 bucks. Do we care what they do with that mm -hmm. 20 bucks? Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. six minutes after you give them that 20 bucks of his cash, it's gone. Video games, running down to the fast food place and stuff like that. So we're setting up our kids for those mistakes. And then we want to bail them out. Oh. Junior went out, he got an apartment, he had a job, he lost a job, and I want to keep him in the apartment. Why? We have to allow our children to fail financially when it doesn't cost them any money, which means that we can mm -hmm. train them into financial management with things such as allowances or things such as responsibility. This is your room. It must maintain my standards of hygiene and, and in order for me to give you this allowance. If it don't, you don't get nothing. These are your chores. Dishwash, taking out the trash, blah, blah, blah. You don't do it. You ain't getting that money. So we need to start right. testing. As parents, we can now begin to employ our kids. Here's what I mean. Teach them value of money by employing them to do things, such as window washing, painting, grass cutting, things that we are willing to pay other people for. Hire your kids to do that. Let them make that business go principle. Then we have to now show them the value of work may not be attractive. When you're out cutting grass in 100 degree weather, you're sweating, you're stinky, your bugs are eating on you, stuff like that. But still at the end of the day, you've got a tangible reward of doing that. So therefore they only have a balance as to understanding what it costs to be able to get certain things. Cut down on non-essentials. And I think we're learning that through COVID. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Cut down on non-essential means that as the world changes, we too much change. We have our boomerang kids. They're coming back home to mom and dad. Right. Yeah. Well, we're going to face that at some point, and many of us will face that at some point in time. We have to make a hard decision. If you're laying under my roof, you got to work. You don't have a real job, I'm going to make you a job. And you got to work. The consequence is if you don't work that nine to five, which is whatever I prescribe as nine to five in my domain, you got to go, which means I can put your stuff on the street and lock you out. It's warm weather, so go sit in the park. I don't care. That's up to you. We have to train and educate our children. And let's start at the crib. Unfortunately, COVID has destroyed our ability to communicate and have contact as individuals. Because mm -hmm. everything now, just like this program, mm -hmm. is electronic. Mm -hmm. We need to limit our children's access to information and teach children how to access information and to verify it as being accurate. Mm -hmm. So just because on the internet don't mean that it's real. Mm -hmm. So we have to go and teach them how to access information and how to make sure it's accurate and to use it to their advantage. Mm -hmm. So 
the internet is the most dangerous weapon in the whole world, but it's there. And it's there as an asset or as a weapon. And for the most part, we use it both ways. Mm-hmm. We've got to teach them how to take that information and to utilize it for their benefit. And we have to start getting them to program 10, 20, 30 years out. How the heck are you going to do that? When I was 13, I had no concept. My dad was like 33 years old. No, no, no dad. It was about 39 years old. No, 42 years old. I had no concept what it looked like to be a 42-year-old person. I thought they was old age and out of touch with reality. And then I got to be 42. Mm-hmm. Young, in touch with reality in some cases, and doing okay. So we got to keep our kids to focus on, and we should ask them right down their three-year plan, five-year plan, and so on. We should ask them as they go into grades, I'm in fifth grade now, what are you going to do in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade? Mm. Then what are you going to do in wow. ninth, tenth? Make them write stuff down, and, you gotta, and we need to talk to them. Next thing, we got to give them good, good examples. They had some millionaires playing basketball last night on TV. They only get to play basketball between three years and 13 or 14 years. Then they got to go do something for real. What are they doing with those assets? Mm-hmm. So whether we're millionaires as teenagers or whether we are $100 heirs as teenagers, it really don't matter. It's what you do with those funds that's going to matter. We've got to get our children empowered to know the limitations. And here's my problem. I don't know my credit limits. I just went to the grocery store and I swiped. I just went to the gas station and I swiped. I don't know what's in that account. All I'm interested in is paying it when it becomes due. But I have no concept of the finality of money. We have to give our children cash and let them work cash on a periodic basis. Mm-hmm. The best way to do it is to take them out to eat and hand them a piece of money. You can't do it now because nobody touches money. Right. But you want them, none, or you take them to the dollar store or the dollar general and you hand them a piece of money and see how they, what they do with it. But before you do that, you're going to get them a bank account. It doesn't matter what kind of bank account, you're going to have something with their name on it, which is, which is a symbol of savings because you get free, free banking for your kids if you want to get them into the banks and stuff. So we got to train our kids. Now, number two, here's the, here's the hiccup. Here's the big hiccup. You got to discourage branding. Mm. You got to discourage branding. We brand everything. We got to discourage branding. And here's what I mean. A Ford drives the same as Ferrari. It's a drivetrain. It's a mechanical device to control that thing. And they, go, and they can go to the same place. One may be 23,000. The other may be 230,000. We got to discourage branding because we get, first of all, it's in clothing. It's in choices of, of shoe wear. It's in cereal on the shelf. It's everywhere. We've got to discourage branding. And when you take those small children to the store, forget FUBU if Walmart brand will do. If you can afford FUBU, fine. If you can't, stay within your, your guidelines. What I see is we are giving un- experienced people, large chunks of money. And I just use the COVID stimulus checks. 
But in my world, I get to look at people's income taxes every time they file bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And what I get to see when someone who's making $13,000 a year gets a tax refund of $9,700 a year, earned income credit, child tax credit. That person has $9,700 a year. And I ask them, what did you do with that money? And they tell me some outlandish stuff. Yeah, I understand you had to pay, catch up your rent and utilities. You went and you got those kids $2,000 worth of school clothes? Mm -hmm. What did you do to manage that money? Because what happens, it becomes a vapor very quickly. So it's about the training and the experience with anything in life. I don't care what it is. And money is the downfall of many people of color in our conversation, many black folks, because we haven't been experiencing it. Right. Now, we also have to get our children accelerated at the lowest cost. I was really entertained to learn of all these rich people that were paying to get their knucklehead kids in these Ivy League schools, these branded schools. Mm -hmm. What you do with a degree from the City College of New York is exactly the same as what you can do with a Harvard degree. Mm -hmm. So therefore, why do you want to take your child and put them in a position that they haven't earned only to let them not to understand what it means to earn certain things? So we get out of the branding. So therefore, when it comes to college times, you stick their butts in a state-supported school. And oh, by the way, you can prepay that for tax reason. And you can have that kid ready to go to school four or five, actually 10 years from now at today's prices, for example. We And the other thing that we do is we began to appreciate use of hands, carpenters, mechanics, brick masons, mm -hmm. lawn care, nurses, mm -hmm. cooks, and so on. It's honorable. And oh, by the way, over our lifetime, if we look at it, because you don't have the educational costs, you can do just as well financially over a lifetime if you are cutting wood, calling yourself a carpenter, owning your own business, employing people, as you could if you were a neurosurgeon, mm -hmm. because they're paying one and a half million dollars worth of debt, which right. many of them never pay, because they had to have that education to get to where they are. So if we're talking strict finance, encourage the use of hands. Go back to learning basic skills. I'm impressed because our community colleges in Virginia now have your trades back. Right. Welding, heating, air conditioning, automotives, and all that kind of stuff. Let's transition over to those traditional things. Right. It ain't pretty, but it's profitable. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for joining. Yeah. You dropped a lot of knowledge um, here today. Well, perhaps we can talk about more positive stuff such as financial planning and management, because that takes away this whole topic that we've just spent the last well, 58 minutes discussing. But we will, we will absolutely do that. And we've had some discussions about that. But uh, certainly yep. this is yeah. information too, because we all need to be aware of the impact of our decision-making and, and how we're subconsciously taking information in, which impacts you know, the decisions that we make. So again, right. thank you so much for joining us. And um, we look forward to our audience hearing this audio. Okay? All righty. Well, it's been my pleasure to be part of this podcast. And All right. Wishing well, everyone you. safety 
and wishing everyone the best. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.